Let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And we got down to verse 5. We uh, taught on verse 5 and we pick up with verse 6. But let me say as we uh, begin to come to an end of this uh, book of Ecclesiastes, we're looking at things uh, so much from an earthly viewpoint. Remember the the preacher said, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. It's looking from the earthly standpoint and from the, from the thought of temporal things and not especially uh, too many times uh, the eternal things are brought out. There's an implication all the way through, though, that we need to set aside these temporal things and look to higher things all in the midst of these uh, words that we're studying about what we find under the sun. Remember, it says, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And it says, vanity of vanities. It means a meaningless and meaningless without God. It means that uh, uh, vexation of spirit is like uh, chasing the wind. It's like not getting what you want, not finding any satisfaction in complete, uh, completely in earthly things alone. And if you can keep that in mind, you'll have a, an idea of what... The book of Ecclesiastes is talking about. And when we get in the 12th chapter, we're going to see the, uh, first of all, the youth and then coming to old age and the demise of the body and the things that happen and the downhill uh, going as you get older. And it's going to look like a dismal picture if you just think of the earthly body and of this body as it goes older and comes to the place of when we departed and and go to be with the Lord. But uh, that's going to be a sad part of it. But on the other hand, we need to keep in mind that therefore it should be an encouragement to the youth to rejoice while you have life and time to serve God. And so now while you have the, the, the energy and the courage and the, the stamina to do it, well, you, you do it. And uh, not wait until you get to where you're not able to serve God, even though you might want to in the older age. So we'll pick up with verse 6. Having said that much, let's pick up with verse 6 of the 11th chapter. It says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. You know, Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 7, Be not weary in well-doing. Now listen. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And here it's telling us to go ahead and sow the seed. That we do not know what's going to happen to it. That that's, that is strictly up to the Lord as to what happens to that seed. But we know that we cannot be weary in well-doing. Because in due time you'll reap if you faint not. I always loved Psalm 126 that says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Psalm 126, verse 5. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. When it says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. It kind of reminds me of the old uh, times when they would get a, a farm, you know, or a place to, uh, to uh, farm, and they had uh, very little seed and they would take that precious seed and sow it, knowing that that's all they had, and, and knowing if it didn't make a harvest, that they were in trouble. He that goeth forth and weepeth, can you imagine dropping a seed and a tear and praying that God would give the increase when the harvest time comes, because this is all there is? Now, that's, that's showing some sincerity about our work, isn't it? 
And it says also, if you notice, it says, He that goeth forth and weepeth. The concern that we have in sowing the seed. And and bearing precious seed. And I'm talking Psalm 126 verse 6. Shall doubtless, without a doubt, come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And you and I ought to have that uh, concern as we go about sowing the seed of the word of God. So notice it says in back in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6. And by the way, we just study verse by verse until we get through the lessons on Sunday night and Wednesday nights that we're studying. So notice this. It says, In the morning sow thy seed. That's 11 verse 6. And in the evening withhold not thine hand. That means early and late. That means start early and late. That means early in the early part of our life. And not to slack off as we get older as well. Early in the morning and late in the evening. Early in a springtime of life and late in the winter of life or in the fall in the winter of life. So you're never too old to sow that seed. And there's always a time. For thou knowest not whither shall prosper. Someone might say, well, I'm too old to, to witness. I'm too old to serve. No, you're not. You just do it. And God says he knows if it will prosper. Either this or that. And whether they both shall be alike good. Everything, the morning and the evening. And all the sowing that you sow. Look at verse 7. It says, Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. We're talking about the life here now. Light and full of light. Light is sweet and pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. Truly we'd know that light is sweet if we were blind and had our eyes open like some of the men in the days of the of Jesus when he opened the blind eyes. Can you imagine what it would have been like to come into this world? Remember, he opened the eyes of one man that had been born blind. And they said, never has it been known that the eyes of a man that was born blind were opened, that he could see. But Jesus did that. And can you imagine what it would be like never to see the light of day? Never to know what it is, but to grope in the darkness and to have to feel your way around and everything? church in Mount Pleasant. I think Tom probably remembers uh, him. Uh, his name was Sammy Cobb, wasn't it? In that Victory Baptist Church. And he used to lead the singing once in a while and sing a special. And uh, he, was, he was blind, but he led the singing. And he memorized the songs and he would sing them. He couldn't see anything. And he'd come down from the pulpit. I remember he used to come down from behind where he led the singing. And he used to feel his way down and people would help him down off the platform and so on. And he used to sing uh, uh, songs like, uh, I remember one in particular, Precious Memories, How They Linger, How They Ever Flood My Soul. And he could really sing it. He was a wonderful man. And he married a blind girl, too, later on. He was single when we first met him. and They didn't have any problem because they could go around and they, they both could see the same thing. and <laughs> Go around in life, I guess, feeling through the doors and... And so God knows about people, doesn't he? And we can be thankful that he's given us sight. Sometimes we take the little things of life just so much for granted, don't we? And they're not so little when you get to thinking about them. They're great. They're wonderful. They're the most uh, uh, part of a blessing that we could ever realize. And yet we take it all for granted. 
Verse 8 says, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness. He's trying to wake up people to the fact that while you have life and while you're young, you better take advantage of that time. Because you will not always be young. And he says, Remember the days of darkness, for they shall be. So it's the future, isn't it? They shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. If that wouldn't wake up young people, and each and every one of us that have the strength of the day and are able to get around and do things, if that wouldn't wake us up to serve God while we're able to do it, if you don't believe what I'm talking about, you go up to the care center and walk around a little while and visit with all those folks up there. Tom's mother's up there, my mother-in-law. And... uh, Things are different now than they used to be. She used to run all over the country, sold Avon to everyone, very active and all. You couldn't keep her home at all. She's going, going all the time. But it's different now. And a lot of other people up there that I've known. And uh, Karen's, Karen, Karen's cousin is up there. I was talking to him yesterday. I went in there. Her name is Constance Ferris. Well, it's Ebarb now. But anyway... They were right there at the door, and the nurse was standing there at the door, had a little cart there, and she's writing down stuff. And Connie come up there in her little walker thing. I said, Connie, how are you? And uh, this woman acted like I didn't know what I was talking about. So I kept talking to her, and I says, you remember me? I said, I'm Wayne. She says, Wayne. And I says, Wayne Jeff. She says, Wayne Joyce, and she just blurted it out, and that woman acted like she fell out of her chair because she didn't know that she could recognize me. And I said, I've known her ever since she is so high. And I said, her name was Ferris. She says, it was. I says, is she any kind of Karen down there? I says, that's her cousin. That's her cousin. Man, they couldn't believe in that woman. She says, she's my cousin. And I remember when her grandparents had the old... First Baptist Church in Riadosa, it was right across from where the circle is, where the eating place is there, sitting right across the circle itself in that canyon, built on stilts out there, out of board and bat. That's the First Baptist Church of Riadosa. And I went there when I was a child, daily vacation Bible school, and her grandparents were, his, her grandfather was a teacher, a deacon or something there in the Sunday school, and he, he taught me. I mean, you know, this world that we're talking about is a small world after all, isn't it? And those people couldn't believe the things I was saying. I don't know if they really believed them or not. I think they thought I was lying about half of it. I don't know. But be that as it may, it's all the truth. And uh, anyway, let's get back to this. It says, the days of darkness. Let Let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. And I'm not saying all these things to discourage you. In fact, the preacher, the Ecclesiastes is not written to discourage people, but it's to wake up people that you have life now and health and strength and you better take advantage of it. It says, For they shall uh, be many, and all that cometh is vanity. Look at verse 9. It says, Rejoice, O man, in thy youth. Now, by the way, this is saying rejoice, and he's talking about leaving them to themselves to rejoice in carnal things, but he's giving them a warning about carnality and warning about rejoicing in evil things. Let's read the whole thing. 
It is given as a warning. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart. Well, the ways of man's heart is not altogether good, is it? Walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou, here's the warning, that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. You see, a young person that's careless and will just turn to the four winds and do as he pleases is given a warning here that God is going to bring him into judgment. And so, uh, he says, if you, rejo- if you do rejoice carnally, it marks a gradual prog- progress of self-indulgence and a judgment for those thus inclined. Young people see the roses and fail to see the thorns. They see in life all the things that they think are really good and just fine, but they don't realize that there's always some thorns in those roses too. And there's a lot of people that have grown older than just young people that have done the same thing, that have uh, kept on to the same vanities. The Bible says, Flee also what youthful lust, which war against the soul. Now then, love is wonderful. It's good to have people to care about you. It's good to have companionship. Every young person will eventually grow up and they'll find a mate and someone that they can love and care about. And that should be. But on the other hand, for people to go to the carnal side of life and live a sensual and uh, ungodly life to seek for their pleasures, they're going to find that there's disappointment and there's always thorns in those roses. And then we find that verse 10 says... Therefore, remove sorrow from thine heart, from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are what? Vanity. It's telling you that all these things that you think are the best things in the world, like you have reached the stars, you'll end up finding out you reached the other direction and you didn't find stars, you found something else. So... Young people need to be brought up in the Word of God and understand what it is to be blessed with the strength of youth and to get your life in the right channel of walk so that you walk in a godly way and ask God's guidance and help. You'll find the pleasures of life to be sufficient. And you'll find them that when they're centered in the Lord, they'll be lasting instead of so temporal. And then in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. God is the Creator. Notice it says, While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, now is the time. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. In Psalm 100 and verse 3, it says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. It is He that hath made us, and we are we, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. That's Psalm 100, verse 3. The Lord, He is God. He has made us, and we're His people, and the sheep of His pasture. And when young people can be brought to the place that they remember their Creator in the days of thy youth. That's why we have Sunday school for these boys and girls in and, and the younger ages, the children... Uh, two or three or four or five years old and on up as they grow up and they ought to be in church and Sunday school all the time because they learn that God is, is to be reckoned with and God is to be loved and He loves them. And He died for, Jesus died for our sins on the cross. Heard that song that Brother Jim sang a little bit ago.
about the cross and about Christ and the Lamb. There's power in the blood. We have another song. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. And the, the blood of Christ was shed for our redemption. And the New Testament says, in whom, listen carefully, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. It says, for as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by Him to believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. And so the blood of Christ uh, is to be looked to for salvation. Look at chapter 12, verse 1 again. Remember that you're not your own. He's your Creator. Remember to serve Him with the best of your life. Evil days come, referring to the calamity of old age. And you'll not be able to serve the Lord as in one's youth. I remember when I surrendered to preach, I was about 20... Two years old, I suppose. Long about 22 years old. And you know, that's something that a young man could say, well, you know, if the Lord's called me to preach, maybe I ought to put it off until I've made my living and made my security and made my life. And when I'm 40, 50 years old or so on, well, I'll do it then. God doesn't want you to do that. And He doesn't want you as, as, a, as a boy or girl or young person today to say you're going to put off accepting Christ or you're going to put off serving God. He wants you to start right here and now. The best thing that can ever happen to a young uh, woman or young man is at a very early age to turn to the Lord and start trying to live for God at an early age. The best thing in the world will ever happen to you. And stick to it all the days of your life. Remember old Samuel was dedicated to God. And from his very infancy, he was serving in the house of God. And, and he served the Lord all the days of his life. And that's the way it should be. And that's why we try to promote that. Okay? It says, uh, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Things become harder in old age. Your life becomes uh, different you'll find that uh, things change. And even though you would like to serve God, you don't have the strength or the ability or, or the opportunity. So you better do it while you can. You better serve the Lord while you have time and strength and health. Because there may be some day that you will not be able to. It says, now then, by the way, before we read this next section, I know this is going to be very complicated for many. But the preacher here... Uh, uses various things, various things to describe the anatomy of man, our bodies, as we grow older, as age, as old age becomes a burden and our earthly life comes to a close, he uses various things to describe uh, what's happening to us. And this is very interesting, and yet, uh, you know, when I first read it and I heard I first read some commentaries on it. I thought, well, this guy, you know, is really off. But I begin to see 
I begin to see that they're all mostly in agreement upon these things representing something about our bodies and how uh, they indicate something about our physical being as it grows older. Now then, I want to try to give you some of those things. It says uh, in verse 1, Nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And if you'll notice, it's not the end of the sentence. It says, While the sun or light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. The image of the sun is to show the clouding of the vision that you cannot even see. In other words, what's happening here now, it shows the darkening of old age. Whereas the sun formerly brought light, think of this for a moment, now with the clouding of his vision, everything moves toward darkness and cloudiness as his eyes have difficulty in functioning. We say that that old person, their, their sight is about gone. Things are becoming darker. Now look at verse 3. Now remember, we're using earthly things or things that we know about. And these happen to be the sun and the light and the moon and all this had to be heavenly uh, uh, parts of our universe that give us the light. And yet we come down to some other things that are more earthly in, their, in nature to describe what's happening to man. Now I want you to notice. It says, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. The keepers of the house. What does it refer to? It refers to... The hands and the arms which protect the body as, as guards protect a palace. Because our body is just a house, isn't it? It's a tabernacle of clay. Let me read in Job chapter 4 and verse 19. Notice what it says here. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay. Who's it referring to? Men. Whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth. We dwell in houses of clay. The houses... Of clay. You know, we find that the keepers of the house shall tremble. Billy Graham is having what kind of... He's got Parkinson's disease, hasn't he? And he's shaking all over. And you start trembling. The man that just died that we know of over here that had this property next door. The last time I saw him, he just was shaking like this. And the keepers of the house, the things that keep this body intact, they begin to tremble. You're, in other words, you're, it's a sad picture. And you say, well, preacher, that's so dismal. I don't want you to touch on that. But I want you to see what happens to us as we get older. And therefore, young people realize that you have time and opportunity. And you and I, who still have the strength of our bodies and our minds, that we have time and opportunity. And don't grow old until you're old. You just stay, stay alive and stay well and stay active. And the more you can stay that way, the, the longer you will be that way. And, but I'm just trying to describe what happens to many people. And it says, And the strong men shall bow themselves, referring to the supporting pillars, the feet and the knees support us and lift us up. Strong men. And it refers to the... To the and by the way, they're the strongest members of our body. Look in one, Psalm 147, verse 10. 147 verse 10. Notice what it says here. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh no pleasure in the legs of a man. The strongest part of our body 
is our legs. It lifts us up. Michael can tell you that in his exercise situation. You try to lift those weights with something else other than your legs. And you see where you end up. You better use your whole body and the strength that you have below. Or you're not going to do anything. And so, you see in all these pictures. Look, it says, and the grinders cease. What is the grinders? The grinders fail because they grind little. What are grinders? It's the teeth that you grind the food with. And they cease. They become uh, worn. You lose them. And a lot of things happen with our frail bodies. Isn't it sad that all these things have to happen to us? And then it says, look, look at that. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. The eyes are looking out from beneath the eyelids. They're like windows that open up your eyes. Uh, and you look out at the windows and they are open and shut. And you find that they're not able to look as clearly as before. And our vision becomes blurred, doesn't it? And so we, we find that this is implicated. And they look out of the windows, be darkened. Your vision begins to fail. Then it says, and the doors be shut in the streets. Your lips or your mouth, the doors of your mouth. In Psalm 141, Psalm 141, listen to this. And verse 3. The psalmist said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of what? My lips. It's indicated as a door wherein we take our food in and as a channel and a, a street or a place to go into our food and our digestive, our digestive system. So the doors of your mouth. It says, now let me give you this again. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door, the psalmist said, the door of my what? Lips. So, there are many things I could give you in the Bible to back up these uh, figures and these symbols of what happens to our bodies. The lips or the ears are closed and shut together as doors as well. And it goes on to say, when the sound of grinding is low, and when the sound of grinding is low, the teeth, your teeth are almost gone. And it says, and he shall rise up at the voice of a bird. Roused by the morning song of the birds. Just a sparrow. And he's ready to awaken. And then we find something else. Look at this. It says, And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. What are the daughters of music? As far as your body is concerned. Two ways. You give out the music or you listen to the music. Your voice and your ears. Have you heard people as they grow older and their voice begins to to kind of, uh, well, I don't know how to explain it, but it just begins to be shrill, or it doesn't have the harmony, it doesn't have the stability, and it's very weak, and their hearing goes, and the voice of music, what does it say, the daughters of music, the bodily organs that produce and enjoy music, the voice and the ears, will begin to fail. And look at this next one. And when they shall be... Be afraid of that which is high. Afraid of heights. Are older people afraid of heights? They're afraid of heights and the difficulties which may beset them. I remember seeing uh, one young preacher the last time I saw Dr. Uh, Roy Kemp. Wonderful preacher. He used to preach the book of Revelation 
from memory. From memory. And he'd put his charts up on the end of the wall and charts of, of Revelation and he'd stand there and he'd preach and he'd say, see that up there? And he'd quote from the first chapter right on through the 22nd chapter of Revelation and teach it. And he'd have a series of lessons that way. The last time I saw him, one of the young men at a fellowship meeting held him by the arms and got him up on the platform and he was standing there white-headed, gray-headed as he could be, and just trembling all over. And he said, gave a word of testimony. One of our professors down in the seminary. And not long after, I heard of, his, heard of his death. You say, preacher, you're so discouraging. But listen, folks, God has given us this, His Word. You know, I hesitated to preach some parts of the Bible, but I find that it's all given by inspiration of God. And it, it will wake us up to the reality of the fact that God has given us life and you better enjoy it while you have it. Amen. And while you have the strength of it especially. Because it's not going to always be so nice. And uh, you say, well preacher, that's discouraging to me. Well, it should be encouraging to you to take advantage of the best part of it. It says, have you ever seen folks that are afraid, older person is afraid to go up the steps and you start, or down the steps and they say, no, I might fall. And they surely might fall. So you have to take their hand and lead them up the steps or down the steps because they very easily could fall. And then, then one fall is a catastrophe. I remember Mrs. Fall's mother, Mrs. Hensley. She was very healthy. Came to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Was in her 90s. I think it was 92 when she passed away. And she had one fall. And she didn't recover. She broke her hip. was in Roswell and now... Uh, in the hospital and we went down there to see her and finally brought her home and it was just too much for her age. And there have been many an elder person with a broken hip that just do not heal and do not mend and, and that's all of it. But up until that very time, she was active. She came to church every service. I was so proud of her, Miss Hensley. By the way, she wrote her own funeral too. And we and we we did, didn't we? We played it on a tape recorder here, and then I preached the service. She wanted to give her testimony. We played it, and it was on a cassette. And she had a wonderful testimony. And then turned right around, and uh, and I preached the message. And anyway, we miss her. And she knew her Bible too. She listened to it. She knew if you was snowing her with something. She knew if you was telling her the truth. She was like those Berean Christians. She searched the Scriptures daily to see whatever you said was true. And thank God that that's, uh, you know, what I tried to preach. And I never did have any problem with her. Loved her. Anyway, let's go on with this. So we find it heights. And it says, and, and fear shall be in the way. They begin to fear things. When old age comes, fears. As they feel themselves becoming as helpless as a child. The fears come. And then it says something else. And the almond tree shall flourish. The almond tree here is a figure of old age. Is the It blossoms. And this may refer to the hair turning white. Because the, the almond tree with its white blossoms among the dark trees. It flowers on a leafless stalk in the winter. And this refers to the old age in which all the powers are dormant. And yet while the other trees are flowerless, it has the white flowers on it. And then it says something else. 
And the grasshopper shall be a burden, the least little thing. And desire shall fail. Desire for food, desire for appetite, and desire for sexual satisfaction shall diminish. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the street. The time comes that he goes to the to his long home, and that means that he goes to the house of eternity, the grave, or the tomb. And old age is illustrated by these things. Look in verse 6. Or ever the silver cord be loosed. You know what the silver cord is? It's the spinal cord which is attached to the brain. If that silver cord is loosed, death comes. Or the golden bowl be broken. What's the golden bowl? This lamp, this bowl, refers to the skull. You can find it, it, it checked out very uh, definitely. Or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. The fountain of the cistern may refer to the heart with the movement of the uh, water representing the circulation of the blood. See, it says fountain or cistern, and in the figure of water, it's referring to the uh, pumping of the blood through the body. Such are the dismal prospects of old age. And one should rejoice in his youth and be invigorated by remembering that old age is coming. And man will return to the dust. It returns to a source. And then the breath of God. The Spirit returns to the breath. I mean, the the Spirit referring to the breath returns to God as its source. Notice, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. All is vanity. That's verse 8. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. He taught the people orally. He taught them knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed, listened carefully, and sought out, that means he searched, and set in order many proverbs. He collected the wisdom of the sages and put them in, in the form that we have in, we've been preaching all this wisdom of Solomon and Ecclesiastes concerning earthly things all of this time. And it says, the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, words of delight. And that which was written was upright, even words of truth. Even though they're very dismal in the aspect that we've been dealing with tonight, we found some things back earlier that showed us a lot of wisdom of life, didn't we? But tonight we know we've come to the end of the, of the book. And it says in verse 11, The words of the wise are as goads. The words pierce deeply the mind as goads would pierce. And as nails fastened, they're fastened in the memory as if they're fastened with nails. And by the masters of assemblies, this is the collection of proverbial sentences that are assembled together for our wisdom, which are given from one shepherd, the under-shepherds who gather gather the people together. In verse 12, And further by these my son. Remember he started out about his son. He said, listen to these things. And now he says, Further by these my son be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. There are many books, but one excels them all, as far as you and I are concerned. Have you ever noticed how many books you find that you get the book and you look at the thing? You say, you know, you kind of skimp over it and you skim through it. And you, you say, you know, there's nothing to that. You put it on the shelf. We have books all over. You go down there at Walmart and they'll have a big old table and there's books there and they'll just stack them up. 
Well, if it's in your particular field, there might be, you'll occasionally find one that's to your benefit. But most of it is just something they can't sell because it's not worth selling. That's just about the truth about it. Of making many books, there is no end. A preacher ought to be able to study and he ought to study good sources, but there's a lot of sources that are not fit for your time. You better get something that's good enough to study. I'm glad that I've got some of the notes from Dr. Oldham and some of my professors in the seminary because I've got some solid good stuff there. And that's what we want people to have. And that's what, the, that's what Solomon was wanting people to have. It says, of making many books, there's no end. And much study is weariness of the flesh. You can just read and read and read and you can wire yourself down. It doesn't mean that we're not to study God's Word. Because we find over in the New Testament, we're just about ready to close, it says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, and it is work to study. Don't ever forget that, friend. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you have to study uh, as a preacher. But it says in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's what he says I'm leading up to. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. A man needs to fear God, reverence God. He needs to love God. He needs to serve God. And he says, keep his word. This is the whole duty of man. He says, I want to sum up what all I've been talking about through these 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. And the preacher says, you fear God, keep his word. And he says, this is the whole duty of man. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And he says, and love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, these are two great commandments. On these hang all the law and the prophets. The first of the ten commandments were related to our relationship with God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The last six of the ten commandments were related to man's relationship to man. So that's what we do. Fear God. Keep His commandments. And then we'll be blessed. This is the whole duty. For God shall bring every work into judgment. Listen. There is a day of judgment. Acts 17, verse 3. Let me read it for you. Verse 31, rather. It says, Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. What does it say here? He's appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And the assurance is that he resurrected him from the dead. I read something the other day in... A little Jehovah Witness thing that used this very verse of Scripture to prove a final resurrection of the 144,000 and so on. And it's, it, well, you know what that Scripture says? It says God has given assurance He's going to judge men and the resurrection of Christ is the proof of it. That's what He says in that verse. doesn't say anything about a future special chosen few that... listen. Friends, and I, I don't want to get off on the sideline too much, but let me just give you this warning. All cults make sense if you don't know what you're studying. It seems to make good sense. You read the material and say, oh, that sounds reasonable. That sounds good. And you start checking it out and you find that the foundation is faulty from the jump go. And so if you start checking it out, you'll find that you're on, on sandy soil and you're not building a good house. For it says, God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And that thus ends the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll bring you one lesson in the Song of Solomon. 
and it should be a while from now because this Wednesday night will be our lesson, uh, not our lesson, but our question and answer session. 